Acts chapter 9. We'll get a word from our sponsor this morning. Well, we'll pick it up in verse 31, Acts 9. If you're new or visiting, we go through a book of the Bible verse by verse. And so that's what we're doing uh, this morning. We're going through the book of Acts, and Darrell is doing the book of Romans, Pastor Darrell, on Wednesday night. So if you'd like to come out Wednesday night, Romans. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. So this would be all of Israel. You remember that Israel was divided up into three basic groups. Galilee was north, Samaria was in the middle, Judea was down south, and it was called Israel, not Palestine. The Romans changed the name to Palestine, which references the Philistines to humiliate the Israelites when they were taken off the land in 70 AD. That's when that name came to pass. So Israel was Israel 2,000 years ago. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Please keep that word in mind, comfort. That plays into our study this morning. Now for our study this morning. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple called Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we just continue in our worship of you. Father, this is your word. It's just not a magazine, a novel, another man-made written book. This is your love letter written to mankind via the Holy Spirit, who is God. And so, Father, we thank you. That again, you didn't leave us orphans, you did not forsake us, but you have given us your Holy Spirit to teach us all truth and to guide us into the ways of this life. We have to live here. 
And Lord, your word is so applicable, so practical, so relevant. We just thank you for that, Lord. So I pray for the gift of teaching. And as we study your word this morning, that we'd ask your Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives individually as well as corporately. There's a message here. So help us to be open, to lay aside the day, and to focus on the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to look at Saul. We're going to do two men this morning, Saul and Peter. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about Saul. We've been talking about him the last few weeks. But look at verse 31. Then the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. This was when they sent Paul from Caesarea to Tarshish. And walking in the fear or reverence of the law, that Lord, that healthy fear, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. You see, we've witnessed a tremendous transformation take place in the life of Saul. And what I want to encourage you on this morning is if you're a young believer, give yourself time. We're going to see this morning, it takes time for the Holy Spirit to do a work. And the Bible also teaches us to be careful that we lay our hands not suddenly or not quickly on a new believer, giving them the limelight, but rather let them be ministered to via the Holy Spirit. Give them time to grow in the ways of the Lord. And this is what Saul, we're going to see as Saul has been assigned to do. So much so that he went and tried to convince his fellow Jews that Jesus was the Christ, this transformation. Remember, Saul was hunting Christians down to have them killed. You see, after Saul's initial conversion, scholars believe that he went and spent three years with the Lord in the area of Arabia. You'll find that reference in Galatians 1, 17 and 18. And upon his return to Damascus, his testifying about Jesus caused him problems. So much so that the Jews at Damascus wanted to kill him. So the believers sent Saul up to Jerusalem where he fellowship with the apostles. And then we find Saul testifying there as well with the same response. The religious Jews wanted to kill him. You'll see that in verse 15. So the believers sent him over to Caesarea and put him on a boat to Tarsus. Now what's interesting about this is that we are going to pick up the ministry of Saul again in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. But chapter 11 is roughly five to seven years from our text this morning. That's very important. Five to seven years. So Saul, we know, was three years by himself, being taught of the Holy Spirit. And now we're not going to see him again, but it's just one chapter. So it's kind of like, oh, it's just a few days, it's a few months. No, for possibly five to seven years. That's really important for you and I as believers, especially if you're a young believer, to realize we need that time with the Lord. What was Saul doing during that time? Well, I believe that he was allowing God to use him in whatever way was necessary at the local church in Tarsus and the area surrounding it. He went from the top of the religious society to the life of an everyday Jew. And I believe that he came to understand what it meant to live by the sweat of your brow. How do I know that? Because the scriptures teach us that Paul was actually working with his own hands to support himself in the ministry. And so he's encouraging others to allow God to use them to provide for them by exercising their abilities to meet their daily needs. Again, we believe, well, the scriptures tell us he was a tent maker. And every rabbi 
who had an apprentice would always teach the apprentice, you have to have some a livelihood. Not just a rabbit, you had to have a livelihood. So Saul was a tent maker. But Saul wanted to be used by God amongst his fellow Jews, and God's answer was to sit still and learn of his one and only son, Jesus. You see, it was a training time for Saul. A time that, in my estimation, is invaluable, because Zechariah 4.10a says this, For who has despised the day of small things? And historically, Zerubbabel started rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem years after it had been destroyed. You see, prior to its destructions, it was a beautiful edifice built by King Solomon, roughly 1000 B.C., King Solomon. King Nebuchadnezzar tore it down in 586 B.C. So for over 400 years, this edifice, the temple, the temple was standing. Very important. So Zerubbabel was commissioned to rebuild the new temple, but it took time and great effort. Zerubbabel leaving captivity from Babylon and going back to Jerusalem. And as he started to lay the stones, it was very disappointing to see. You could imagine this, very disappointing. Especially to a few, very few, because it had been 70 plus years now, who could remember the original temple. So Zechariah was used by God to encourage the people to not despise or disrespect that humble beginning of a new temple. And Saul didn't despise what God was doing. We can see this in his epistles. But rather was obedient to his new teacher. Gamaliel might have taught Saul the scriptures intellectually. And if you're here this morning, even maybe as a seasoned believer, and you're just here for another intellectual Bible study, you need to change that mentality. Every time we open the Bible, devotionally, Wednesday night, women's study, men's study, home fellowship, anytime we open the Bible, it should be a time where we ask the Holy Spirit, what's this for, what's in it for me? What do I, how do I, how can I become more like Jesus? Do I need more head knowledge? Nothing wrong with head knowledge. But sometimes we get so much head knowledge and we're not walking it out that we miss the whole point of why we're a believer anyways. It's not about head knowledge. Nothing, again, nothing wrong with head knowledge, but that's not the whole thing. But the Holy Spirit was going to teach Saul the heart principles of the scripture. You see, Saul was a Pharisee, and so he had a lot of head knowledge. To prove this point, in the Gospels, Jesus made this point. Because they knew it intellectually, well, I haven't committed adultery because I haven't physically been with a woman. But Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust, with a desire to be with her, sexually be with her, undress her, thinking through that process, Jesus said, you've already committed adultery. You see, he went to the heart of the law. Not just the mind of the law, but the heart of the law, that our heart is desperately wicked, and we need a Savior. And so if you're here this morning, and you don't know if Jesus as your Savior, you are a sinner. We we're exactly in the same spot you are until we receive Jesus as our Savior. And now we're not sinless because unfortunately we still sin and have to ask forgiveness. But hopefully as Christians we're finding ourselves sinning less than when we first got saved. 
And I'd venture to say that all of you as believers are saying, absolutely. That, yes, absolutely. That's what it's all about, guys. The heart. The heart. You see, there are many around the globe who supposedly know the scriptures in their heads, but there are few who actually live them out in everyday life via the heart or what the Bible calls soul. And Saul was learning to live them out through his heart or what we'd call the soul through humble service to the church body at Tarsus and the surrounding area. Now we're going to put a slide up, take a picture if you'd like. For time's sake, I'm just going to blow through these scriptures. Deuteronomy 10.12 And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice that. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Joshua 22.5 But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded you. What is that? To love the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. John 13, you call me teacher and Lord, this is Jesus speaking, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not just know them, if you do them. And this is not necessarily about washing feet. It's the idea of the humble servant Washing the feet of the guests that would come into the house, taking all the dust because they had sandals. The master of the house wouldn't do that. No, the lowest servant of the house would do that. And here Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, washed 24 stinky feet. The night before his crucifixion. To do what? To give them an example. Because in Matthew 20, we read this, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, so now he points to himself, one of the few times that Jesus points to himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is what I believe Saul was learning during those five to seven years because we see it in his epistles. We see it throughout his writings. A humble servant of God. So again, the next five to seven years, I believe Saul was learning what it meant to really serve God through the local body. Taking out the trash, helping the widows, ministering to the poor. You see, Saul was being developed into the man of God that God desired him to become. And maybe as a young believer, you're wondering, as a man, as a woman, married, single, young, old, whatever the case may be, what does God want me to be? I just explained it to you very quickly. You can do further research, and I encourage you to do so. Because most of our society wants to be served. 
serve me. And when it doesn't go well, they whine and complain and yell and scream. Instead of saying, thank you for your best efforts, but this isn't right. You see, guys, this is what it's all about for you and me. Well, let's look at Peter now. So that's Saul, but let's look at Peter now. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country in 932, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. You know, Peter steps back into the scriptures as he continues being used by God. We find him on the move throughout the area of Judea and specifically in in the city of Lydda which was about 22 miles northwest of Jerusalem. We do not find Peter holed up in a monastery, reciting prayers, but out doing the work of the Lord, which he had been trained to do years earlier. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you. If you just look down at the chairs, you'll see them down there. I encourage you to have a paper Bible. I know apps are wonderful. But I really encourage you to get used to a paper Bible. And I know some of you use tablets just for the size of the font. No problem, no issue. Do that. But I encourage you at home to have a Bible, that you make that your best friend. Matthew chapter 10. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them. And who was a part of the 12, by the way? Judas. Judas was a part of the 12, saying... Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? Because they had the word of God. He wasn't prejudiced. It was the house of Israel had the word of God. They were going to be the ones that got saved first and then they would turn around and disciple fellow Jews as well as Gentiles. They had the word of God. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are we saying that to this day? We should be. Because everybody's going to die. Ten out of ten people still die. So yes, as we go about our business, as we go about our life, as I try to work it into my conversations, as I did this past week at Home Depot and other places, when things don't go right, you just, you just it's, for me, it's, just, it's become a natural part of my life. I go, you know what? It's, it's nothing compared to eternity. And that just opens up a door conversation because all of a sudden they're like, what? I go, it's, it's, this is nothing compared to eternity. Took an extra 30 seconds, an extra minute. Take your time. Relax. You're all right. And then you get to, to minister to that person and help them momentarily get their mind on something else besides the dot bottom line, which is bucks, dollars. Guys, it's, that's not the bottom line for you and I as believers. And so the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. And in the scriptures, they literally did this, including Judas. Amazing. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And isn't that wonderful, guys? That's the gospel that you and I have. We freely give the gospel. I, I'm, it just popped in my mind, so I can't, I'm sorry, I don't have the details, but I know this past week something happened. And I was ministering to somebody and it was something about the church and they needed something done. And they said, well, how much do you charge? I said, we don't charge. What? What do you mean you don't charge? We don't charge. It's it's for the Lord. 
And yes, we do charge for some things, but I'm saying as a whole, with the gospel, there's no charge. And you'll see what I mean by that as we go on. So it's very important that we preach the gospel. Peter was out preaching back in Acts chapter 9. He was out preaching and teaching just like our Lord and Savior had done throughout the area. But on this day, on this day, there was a specific man who had an appointment with God. And that's, guys, this is what's key for you and I. When people say the Bible's irrelevant, they're not reading the Bible, they don't understand. You see, this man had an appointment with God, and Peter was the man that was going to be used at this particular intersection of life. And this week, you and I have no idea what's going to happen this week, but I can guarantee you during this week that God has an appointment with you and someone else and you're going to intersect their path and you're going to have an opportunity to minister to them. I can guarantee you that. It might only be for 5, 10, 15 seconds, but you can do a lot of ministering to a hurting person in 5, 10, or 15 seconds. Or it might be 5, 10, 15 minutes. So guys, be ready this week. As we read the Bible, just don't think, well, that was back then, 2,000 years ago. Good for Peter. Good for Saul. No, guys. God wants to use you and I today. This week. But are we available? That's just that's the bottom line. Are we available to be used by God? Very, very important. So verses 33 and 34, there he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ. Very important. Notice that. Not Jesus Christ, which is often referenced in scriptures. But again, if you're new to the faith or you're, you don't even understand this, I want to explain this very quickly. So older saints, be patient. Jesus the Christ. That's the fulfillment of the title. Christ means the anointed one. Greek, Hebrew, Messiah, the anointed one. So Peter here is proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. He is the son of God. Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. You see here, as Peter was moving through the area, he came across a man who was crippled. Just an ordinary guy. Ordinary day, guys. Just like for you and me. And we do not know anything else about this man except that he was crippled. But I believe that this situation was written down for our admonition. And what is that? I see at least two items of interest in these verses. The first is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Notice that Peter told them that Jesus the Christ would make him whole. The second is to be available for the purposes of God whenever and wherever the situation rises. And guys, I have a hard time with this. I have a hard time with this because I have an agenda and I... I admit I miss opportunities because I get so focused on my agenda and on getting something done because I know it has to be done by a certain time. I got other things to do that sometimes I miss appointments. So I am no different than you. I need this admonition as well as you as much as you need it. That we have to be ready to be used of God, whether it's for 30 seconds or 30 minutes. And that takes discipline. That's hard. Because again, we all have agendas. We all have schedules. We, we, and you don't do this during week, work, by the way. Not on your work hours. You'd be the best employee in the job site. You meet somebody, if there's an appointment, 
make that appointment, make it short and sweet, and say, let's get together at lunch or let's get together after work. Don't use company time to evangelize. That's not what you're paid for. Set up another time. But whenever and wherever the situation arises. You see, Peter was not just active for the sake of being busy. There was the purpose of evangelizing, but God desired this man to be healed as well. You see, if everyone in Lydda was healed, think about this as we look at this particular situation. If everyone in Lydda was healed and no one received salvation, the ministry of Peter would have been empty, eternally fruitless. Maybe think about that this week. Because Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. And for you and I, we have an opportunity to do just that. Notice how God used the healing of this man to turn others to the saving knowledge of his son in verse 35. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Sharon is a fertile plain that runs along the western coast of Israel. It's about 10 miles wide, 50 miles long. And the city of Lydda was located on the southeast edge of that area. So we can see that the whole area, when you see this here and we read this, you want to keep that in mind. 10 miles wide, 50 miles long. This wasn't just like one little town got impacted. But the whole area was impacted with this one man's testimony. And that should be an encouragement to you and I. The big lesson to learn here is never underestimate what God can do through a life of obedience. That's for you and I. Never underestimate what God can do through a life of obedience. But the choice is ours. The choice is mine. Do I always obey? Unfortunately not. And I'm glad that God gives me a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a tenth chance and a twentieth chance. He hasn't put me on the shelf. He says, okay, all right, I confess it, I admit it, I blew it. God, use me again, make me more aware, help me to be more alert. And he does, and he will. Keep that life, keep that humble prayer life going. Verse 36, here's another situation. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple called named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. So, get the picture. While Peter was ministering in Lydda, there was a dear sister who had died in the city of Joppa, or modern-day Jaffa. Joppa is on the Mediterranean coast, about 12 miles northwest of Lydda. Her name was Dorcas, which means, or translated, which means uh, gazelle or doe. And in the Greek, Tabitha is her name in Aramaic. Now, alm deeds, as we see about alm deeds, good work, charitable deeds, King James is alms deed, but charitable deeds, is having compassion as well as sharing finances or sharing of finances with the poor. Verse 39 shows us her good works, that Tabitha made coats and garments for the people. Again, very important as we read the scriptures here, not just for head knowledge, but how can we apply it to our lives today? We see practical ministry taking place within the body. Here we see a woman by the name of Tabitha. She had a talent, and she was allowing the Lord to use that talent. Very, very important. That's what Corinthians talks about, the body of Christ, as well as others being blessed by what the Lord may have given to us. You see, when a, when a, te- when a vehicle is not running right, it's a great time to pray. But in reality, there's a need for a mechanic. 
When it's time to get a haircut, there's a need for a barber. When the toilet doesn't work, there is need for a plumber. And sometimes it needs to be right here, right now. You see, we've all been blessed with various talents, which when used in unity, brings forth a wonderful blessing to others. And Tabitha used her talent and it blessed others. And it appears that she probably sold some of her items as well because she had money, she had money to give to aid to others. As I mentioned earlier, there's nothing wrong with charging for your time. But if the Lord tells you otherwise, then be obedient and listen. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Bottom line, be available to bless someone else in the body this week with your talent. Be available, if that's possible. Be available. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Notice that, because I know we drive cars and we come individually and we leave individually, so we get this individual mentality. And yes, you are an individual, and yes, you always will be an individual. But you also want to remember in the scriptures, you are part of a body. And if it's temporarily here because you're looking for a church, okay, then you're temporarily part of this body. Wherever you land, wherever you say, this is my home church, that is the body of Christ. And you become a part of that body, not just a consumer, not just a consumer, always consuming. What's the next Bible study? What's the next activity? How's the church going to bless me? How's the church going to take care of me? But rather becoming a participant. Being ministered to, but ministering to others. What can I do? How can I bless someone? How can I be a part of the body of Christ? Ushering, greeting, whatever it looks like, but being in prayer, Sunday school, adult Sunday school, landscaping, whatever it might be. How am I, how can I use my gifts, my talents for the kingdom of God and not just always being a consumer? Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given up. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion, proportion to his faith. So now Paul is specifically addressing spiritual gifts here in text. If it is in serving, let him serve. Notice that. So now we go from prophesying or teaching the word of God, but we also have to have servants. Um, there's a gentleman that comes every Wednesday, every single Wednesday. He's in his 70s. Every single Wednesday. What a faithful servant of God. And he helps clean the bathrooms. He helps vacuum the, the sanctuary. And, he, and he's, he, he mops both lobbies. He's retired. He doesn't need to do it. But he's listening to God and he's obeying God. You guys have no idea who it is, and I'm not going to say his name. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. He wouldn't want that. Because he's doing it for the Lord. He's not, he's, you get the effects of it. So I'm not going to say he's not doing it for you. But he is doing it for you. Because you get blessed by it, don't you? Do you all like clean toilets? I bet everybody does in this room. Praise God. Somebody's doing it. Somebody's doing it. So, do you have time? Be, be in prayer. How can I use my gift? If it is encouraging... Let him encourage. So maybe you have time and you have the gift of encouragement. Maybe you have time to go visit people in the hospital. Or maybe you have time to visit somebody in in, in their home. 
we can't get to all these places, but maybe you can. So you need to think outside the box and say, well, I can sit at home watching the box and get nothing for eternity, or I can get off my duff and find out how God could use me and store up treasure in heaven. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. So again, maybe you've been blessed financially. Pray to the Lord, how can I bless other people? You see, we all have different gifts. If it is in leadership, let them govern diligently. Are you good with coordination? Are you good at bringing people together? Maybe you've done it for decades and and now you're not doing it because you're retired. Does that mean you can't use your gift? Not at all. You should be using it. Get involved with the church and find out how can I use that gift of, of ministering to people and bringing people together. Is it in showing mercy? Let them do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Boy, do we need that today. With what's going on in Washington, D.C. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And what is that going back to? I personally believe the previous verses. Don't get caught up in the politics. Get caught up in Jesus and how can you do whatever you're going to do this week to bless somebody. And yes, pray for the, those who are in authority. Sign up to vote. Please make sure you're registered to vote. Vote. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Do we see that in the church body? I see it in this church body. There's, there's a lot of love in this body and there's a lot of people that... But notice what it says. Be devoted to one another. Well, I just don't feel the love in this church. (laughs) What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? The command is for you to be devoted. And when you go to the next church, well, I don't feel love in this church. And the next church, well, I don't feel love in this church. There's a common denominator there. Common denominator. It's called you. You are the problem. Stop blaming everybody else. And mature, grow up, and get devoted to a church body. Not just a consumer. Isn't that, isn't this, the Bible's not relevant. It sure is. It's very relevant. Well, there's a lot of love around here, and we are devoted to one another. Uh, I want to thank all of you who blessed, uh, Pastor Rick and Cheryl up in Fountain Hills. I talked to Pastor Rick this past week, and they're doing a lot better. Obviously, having your house burned down in front of your eyes is very traumatic. But they're doing so much better, and they wanted to say thank you for those of you who have helped them in any way. Thank you for their prayers. The insurance is involved. Things are going very, very well. Nine months to a year to get back, to get into a new house. But they're doing very well. So I want to thank you. See, that's what that's what devotion is. Many of you came up, well, what can we do? That That's what devotion's all about. And if you're not sensing that, then you need to get devoted to this fellowship or some other fellowship, but get devoted. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Back in Acts. You see, what a blessing it is to be able to minister to someone else. And if you're not doing it, you're missing out on a tremendous blessing. I encourage you to do it. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him, begging him, asking him to not delay in coming 
to them. So again, get the picture. They clean Tabitha's body. I've been with people who have passed. Some people might say, well, you know, she just fainted and she was still there. If you haven't been with a dead person, you don't know what you're talking about. When you're with a person who has died, literally died, which I have been at least a dozen times, within a minute, you're like, wow, this is what happens to the body in 60 seconds. It's amazing how cold a person gets within 60 seconds. She was dead. So don't believe the lies that they try to put out there about, well, you know, she was just sleeping really deep. She was dead. They washed her and they laid her out for viewing. And a few others heard that Peter was close by, so they ran to get him. Verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Tabitha had made while she was with them. I like Tabitha versus Dorcas. but <laughs> Tabitha made while she was with them. See, upon a Peter's arrival, there was a great mourning taking place, which would be expected. The women were crying over the loss of a loved one. And, and Peter, now think about Peter now, because this is what we're focusing on, Peter. He probably had a flashback at this point to that time when James, John, and himself were with Jesus at the house of Jairus. And Jairus had an only daughter, she was 12 at the time, who was dying when Jairus went to travel to go find Jesus to bring him back to his house. And upon finding the Lord, he asked him to come and heal his daughter. But the Lord continued to minister on the way to the house of Jairus, and news came to Jairus to not bother the master. Now guys, would you bother the master if your 12-year-old daughter was just sleeping? She's just in a deep sleep. Don't, don't, don't bother the master. She was dead. She died. There's no question. She had died. So they sent people to Jairus the father and said, don't bother the master. It's too late. Your daughter is dead. Dead. Wow. Okay. But the Lord told Jairus, to not be concerned over the news. Very important here. But only believe and all would be well. Again, Jesus told Jairus to not be concerned over the news. Guys, this is so important for you and I this morning. How often do we get frustrated or anxious or nervous or possibly depressed over some sort of news that comes into our lives? You see, we have a tendency to forget so quickly. And, and we have to process whatever it might be it is that we have to process, but then we got to go back to the facts. We forget so quickly that the Holy Spirit is with us. He is ever-present, even during the toughest of days. And what is the one of the main attributes of the Holy Spirit? Comfort. Comfort, the paraclete. Matter of fact, he's called the comfortor. We need comfort during these times. But again, we so quickly forget. So Jesus and his disciples went to the home of Jairus and found a crowd of people mourning the death of a little girl. Jesus took control of the situation and put the people out of the house so that he might minister to the girl. And in Mark 5.41, we read this. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, 
I say to you, arise. Do you think Peter was having a flashback? I think Peter was having a flashback. Here he is with this woman, now an adult woman, not a 12-year-old girl, but an adult woman. I, I could... I I don't think I'd have any issue with... Yeah, he was having a flashback. Wouldn't you be? He'd be like, whoa, I was there. I was there with Jesus. So what did he do? He got down on his knees and he prayed. God, is this your will? Because remember what Jesus said? I only do the things I see my father do. I only say the things I hear my father say. Jesus was in direct communication with the father and he prayed for that little 12-year-old. And the father said, go. She's, she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. But it's not over. Comfort. Comfort Jairus. Go. Go. You're going to raise her from the dead. Did Jesus raise everyone from the dead? No. No. Were there other people that died in the ministry of those three years of Jesus? Absolutely. But those that are recorded are recorded for you and I to understand that Jesus is God. Not just a great prophet like Islam. Not a spirit brother of Lucifer, like Mormonism. Not Michael the Archangel reincarnated like Jehovah Witness. Not just a good teacher, Hinduism. He's the son of God. He is literally God. Here in Acts, we see that Peter got down on his knees, as I already mentioned, and he prayed to the Heavenly Father to see if it was the Father's will to raise this young woman from the dead. Now, to me... And those who know you, those of you who know me intimately will understand this. This, this would just be a tremendous bummer, personally. Because I've stood over various caskets where a brother or sister has gone home to be with the Lord. And there is no way that I'd want them to leave the palace to come back to the pasture. No way. But if God says to do it, then I would do it. I would pray over the casket. But He's never told me to do that. And I would think, man, what a bummer. Because now she's got to die again. But you see, our ways are not God's ways. There's a specific plan. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. So if you just like to listen, you can, because sometimes it gets confusing out of your own translation. Peter remembers what the Lord did and followed his example. You see, it wasn't... You guys remember those bracelets, WWJD? What would Jesus do? Um, there should be another bracelet that makes it much quicker. WDJD. What did Jesus do? Now, what would he do? What did he do? Well, in 1 Timothy 4, we read this. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Now, Paul's writing to Timothy, a young pastor. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So now, let's make this applicable again. Does this just apply to Timothy back in the original 50s? Is this just for Timothy back in the original 50s? Or does this still apply to you and me today as individual believers? Do you and I need to be an example to the believers? Absolutely. Every single one of us? Absolutely. It's not just the pastor, the deacons, the elders, the Sunday school teachers. It's all of us. We're all to be an example to other believers. In what? In the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on the reading of the scriptures to the church. Encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church lays hands on you. So again, I would ask a question there. Are you neglecting the spiritual gift that you know you have? 
Maybe you came up 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe this past year, and the elders prayed over you, and you received the gift, or you came to understand what your gift is. Are you using that gift? Were you excited back then? And oh, I haven't used that gift in 20 years. And why? That's what I would just ask. And, and why not? What's the reason? I don't get what the reason is. No, don't neglect it. Give your, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Guys, do we need true believers in this day we're living in? Where people are calling good evil and evil good? Yes, we need true Bible-believing believers. That's you in your workplace when you go to your workplace. That's you in your neighborhood. That's you in your with your family members. They need to see Christianity in action. Not just head knowledge. So as we look back in Acts, Tabitha was raised from the dead, brought back from Abraham's bosom, so that she might be a witness for Jesus. And as we again notice that many came to believe in the Lord. You see, she was going to have to die again. But for now, she was a walking witness of the power of God. Not the power of Peter, the power of God. Well, again, how can we apply this to our own lives? How many of you did not know Jesus as your Savior? Any of you not know Jesus as your Savior, or were you born a Christian? That's not a trick question. (laughs) There's only one right answer. Feel free to raise your hand. Every single Christian in this room, you should be raising your hand. Again, this isn't a trick. You were dead. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sins. You, I, we were going to hell. We were dead spiritually. Live physically, but dead spiritually. She was going to have to die again. You and I, we're going to have to die. We're going to physically die. But we're not going to die twice, the spiritual death. You see, if you're in here this morning and you're an unbeliever, you will stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment seat. No believer will stand there, only unbelievers. And you will be cast because you denied that Jesus loved you. You denied that Jesus died for your sins. Because as I'm explaining it right now, you're going, no, he didn't, no, he didn't. No, okay, you're denying the Holy Spirit. Not denying me, you're denying the Holy Spirit who's just speaking through me. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You're choosing to go there because I don't want to believe that. Okay, then don't blame God when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart into everlasting punishment. It's up to you. But for those of us who now are born again, we are a walking witness of the power of God, guys. And I'm sure if some of you shared your testimony, some other people probably wouldn't sit next to you every week. They probably want to sit somewhere else. Some of you have some pretty bad testimonies. As far as not bad, bad as far as behavior. Other of you have a very simple testimony as far as behavior. Praise God. My wife, she has the simplest. Praise God. Keep it simple, young people. Keep it simple. Don't try to give some big testimony. Keep it very simple. And let the power of God be shown to those around you. Verse 43, as we wrap it up. But when Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. 
Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And notice what happened. And many believed on the Lord. Could someone believe on the Lord because you were once dead and now you are alive? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Now that's very important there as you notice that. Notice, just don't blow off those last two words there. A tanner, very, very important. You see, this is interesting because tanners were considered ceremonially unclean because they were handling the carcasses of dead animals. Yet here we see Peter hanging out with Simon for many days. You see, God is continuing to prepare the heart of Peter for the time of ministry in the house of Cornelius, a Roman centurion that we're going to get to next week. So I encourage you to read ahead. Phenomenal, phenomenal story. Acts chapter 10. But what's going on with Peter? What's going on with Saul? The heart's being prepared. What's maybe going on this morning as we get into the word and we turn the soil a little bit? Maybe God's trying to stir your heart. Are you using your gifts? Am I involved with the church? Am I ministering to people during the week? Or is my schedule too busy and I don't have time for people? Maybe the Holy Spirit's stirring you, even right now, and you're asking some of those questions. Typically what happens is we leave these doors and we forget. We shut it out. And the enemy gets us going with the busyness of the day. Oh, I got lunch. Oh, I got dinner. Oh, I got to go shopping. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. Happens to me as well. So as you go out the doors and you enter into your mission field, keep asking yourself some of these questions as you go through your week. God, am I using the talents you've given to me? Am I, am I open to that intersection of someone crossing my path? Is it this person right here, God? Is it this person? I gotta, I gotta do that more too, guys. So I'm not teaching, I'm not saying that all applies to you. It applies to me as well. I gotta be asking myself that as well. We all have busy schedules. Two ordinary men by the name of Saul and Peter who are being used by God for the work of the kingdom. Saul in the private sector, Peter in the public eye. Does God desire to each, to use each and every one of us privately as well as publicly? Absolutely. So again, be in prayer about how God might use you for his kingdom this week. Because there are tremendous opportunities in the fellowship, your home, your job site, and your community. And we'll end with this. All it takes is for a person. Who might that person be? You or I? All it takes is for a person to say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for all you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we want to have a different week per se. Help us to be aware this week, even more so. Maybe we had a great week. Maybe we witnessed this past week. We don't want to be complacent and comfortable. Lord, we want to do more for you. So wake us up. Continue to give us that alertness. Continue to help us to seek after the lost. Watering, planting, fertilizing, whatever the case may be. And Lord, if it's your will to pray for someone to receive Jesus. Lord, again, we stand in that spiritual gap right now very quickly. If there's anyone who does not know Jesus this morning, that they would come forward this morning. They would not leave this place without receiving Jesus. We may never see them again.
But Father, I pray that you would stir their hearts this morning to come forward to ask for Jesus to be their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys. Have a blessed week. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Again, guys, have a blessed week. We are going to sing how great the power of the blood proclaim that I am the righteousness of God. How great the power of the blood Oh, 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 I am righteousness of God. Oh, 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 how great power of the blood. Hallelujah.